So we're going to go into the Word of God. Turn to John chapter 1, verse 10. Okay, let me get this right. Yep, yeah, find it. I gotta find it in my Bible. It's nice having a new Bible, but sometimes the the finger things get in the way. It's right there. Here we go. John chapter 10, or John chapter 1, verse 10 through 13. We can go back to verse 9 on this. That was the true light, talking about Jesus Christ, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for we can learn from it. And uh, I pray, Lord, is not a good teacher as uh, our pastor is, and I, I, I could never see myself being that. But I know the word of God and the power it has. And for the words that you've been able to give me, to give to these people, Lord, bless them. Bless these people. Bless our pastors. He's going to be trying to recover here soon and having surgery coming up. Bless his trip just home today that he can rest and heal. And I pray your will and way be done in this church that it grow, that it grow, that it grow, that it grows. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless every aspect of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Throughout the Bible, we read the importance of receiving God, Christ, the gospel, in the Word of God. So you're receiving, when you receive Christ as your Savior, you, God was already there. I mean, the Holy Ghost is there. That Holy Ghost comes to it in. But we also, you were not going to get salvation unless you receive the word of God either. And once you're saved, you need to continue receiving the word of God. Be in prayer, be in your own study, being in church, and following the pastor here. And wherever you might go to someday to a different church, you follow that pastor there. So, it teaches us the importance of receiving Christ and God and the whole family and the Word of God, thus indicating the need for a personal attachment to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the gospel message of salvation found in the Word of God, the Holy Bible. Very evident, obvious. This attachment is never meant to be merely a reception of knowledge, like book learning, just book learning, you know, reading it to pass a test, but a personal acquaintance through a personal introduction. The Word of God was presented to us at the time of our salvation, and we were introduced to Jesus Christ through the Word of God. It was an introduction. A serious introduction. Because that introduction, if it's if received, changes your life. If you don't receive it, it also can change your life. Thank you. 
When we heard the gospel, we were introduced to God and his son, Jesus Christ, through the word of God, which came via the medium of preaching, either by hearing a salvation message or in the church or by a faithful witness. Turn to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans 10, 17. Many of you know this, you've heard of it. Romans 10, 17 reads, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How am I lacking in faith? I'm lacking faith. I need help with faith. Read the Word of God. Read the Word of God. You'll grow in faith. Trust what it says. You'll grow in faith. Upon hearing, we were given the opportunity to accept or reject that invitation of a personal relationship with God through His Son. That offer... It's like a contract almost. Now you can accept it or you can reject it. It was an offer freely given by God through the word of God to realize what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. What we hope to accomplish uh, at this moment is how Christ was received by the world, verse 10, by the Jewish nation that he was living at, where he originally went to and wanted to go to, verse 11. And then finally, believers, verse 12. So Christ came to the world. What was he to do? He was supposed to convert the Jews and then the Jews were supposed to go out. Their first mandate, even in the Old Testament, and go out from there and proselytize their belief to the world. They were the first witnesses, but they ended up rejecting. They ended up rejecting. Since the garden, the world began rejecting God and his word. Genesis 3 Eve wanted to be as small g-o-d-s, gods. Okay, Eve rejected it. Now, how did she hear it? She had to hear it from Adam. And she added words to it. The serpent added words to it or subtracted some words to it. And made it a more interesting offer. So that happened there. Then there's Cain's rebellion to God's authority on the offering. And then he finally kills his brother. So that's in Genesis 4. Just as then, as it is now, the world has created their own Gods, small g-o-d-s, or made themselves deity through their own high-mindedness and arrogance. Arrogance. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and then look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So you're going to be in... Two chapters there. Two books, two chapters. First Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians 4. The world cannot understand God and his word because of their natural state. If you're here this morning and you're saved, and I'm, I'm hoping you all are saved here, You have a different mind. You have a mind to actually understand what's written in this book. Where the world looks at it and says, I don't get it. I don't get it. 
And especially the Jew that has what? They've been blinded. They, they don't even read their Old Testament that was given to them. And they got all these other writings and readings. So, by their own ignorance, too, besides arrogance. The world cannot understand God and his word because they're of the natural state. Look at First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, Neither can they can he know them because they are are spiritually discerned. This is a spiritual book. It's paper, and this one I think is leather or pleather. I'm not sure. I think it's leather. I paid enough for it. You know, some poor cow is running around with a patch out of his side for this. But, you know, it's a spiritual book. And it has to be spiritually discerned. So we see, because of that spiritual discern, we can we cannot, uh, neither can he know them. They can't be known of them. They have to be introduced to them. But does, what does it say also that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So they got to hear the word of God in order to understand the word of God. Because the hearing of the word of God is what introduces them to this book. Believe it or not, it is because of our words. We can introduce somebody to the Bible and show them the answers are here. And all they need is a little bit of faith to get them going. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse three and four. It says, but if our gospel will be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. They're lost. They're wandering. They don't know where they're going. They think they know where they're going. They don't know where they're going. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that, uh, which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Shines so they can see now. The gospel is a light. It can be revealed by faith and understanding the word of God. Since the world cannot understand the love of God, they reject him because they cannot control him. They can't control God. Turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, 3 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Talking to the Old Testament people, those Old Testament people, they just, they still have these blinders on. They were rebelling against God all through the Old Testament all through the Old Testament. Upon this rejection, they are left to their own devices trying to justify their sin before God. How are they doing that? Through their own works. And the good works. A lot of them are good works. But they're trying to justify. That only justifies them before men and generally temporary. Before God, whom they really don't trust in cling to the hope of false religions or false gods, even satanic or paganistic gods. You know, there is really only two religions in the world. There's only two. 
religions in the world. I don't care what all the other names are. There's God, Jesus Christ, the Word of God. And I'm not even talking about Jewish. They believe in God, but they don't believe in the God of the Bible. Or they would get it. And then there's satanic religion. Everything else. I don't care by what name it's under. There's a lot of Baptist churches that aren't really good churches. In a lot of ways, they're kind of satanic because they believe in their works. They mix works with it. There's other churches by other names that do the same thing of all kinds. All kinds. There's only Satan and there's God. It's Satan's word against God's word. Two religions only. Really, look it up. I wouldn't advise you to just start studying something unless you're well-versed in the Word of God. So there's only Satan and Christianity. True Bible Christianity. So they believe in these things, and they ignore altogether that God exists, thus negating the need for answering to their sin and repenting by creating an amoral bubble to live in. Now, some of it will be morals and, and be good things, okay? But there, it's also mixed with all kinds of other things that go with it that are not from God. To start with, it's by their own good works. They think it is. Or just works in general. To try to elevate themselves. They live in it. They live in it. Just live in it. It's all moral. They're relying on their own twisted conscience and intellect by the saying that goes to thine own heart be true. So what are they worshiping more than anything else? They're worshiping themselves. They are their God. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah 17, starting at verse 9. We heard this in Sunday school. Jeremiah seventeen nine verses 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I don't know your heart. I don't know if you got a bag of potatoes or tomatoes, not potatoes. They would really hurt. They'd throw at me, you know. They could be spiritual ones or intellect ones, you know, not spiritual ones. I never heard of a spiritual tomato. I don't even like tomatoes. So, who can know it? And then verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruits of his doings. God pays us all back, saved or lost. If we are not doing right, we're going to get paid. <laughs> you know, we're going to get paid. If we're doing right, you're going to get paid. The lost are going to get paid. Maybe not right away, but how many lost people you ever run into that are actually, actually happy? I mean, I run into enough Christians that are always happy. Why are they not happy? Yeah, why are they not happy? You know, they're worried about what's going on here. What can they do to us? Send us to heaven? 
I'm all for that. I, I was, even Linda and I were talking in the car on the way down here, truck. I says, I was praying and had been praying for many, many years that I want to be here for the rapture. I don't want to die and miss the rapture. I mean, I, I go up either way, but I'm talking about when God comes down to the clouds and he goes, Hey, come up hither. Listen to the trumpet. I want to be here for that. As I get older, I don't want to. I don't want, I, I'm thinking, okay, God, take me home when you show me. Well, he doesn't have to show me anything. When I've done enough for him. When I've taken every opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus Christ instead of rejecting it, I'm too busy or I, you know, I don't have time right now. And, and, and you know, I, I used to witness at the, at the gas stations in back in New York early on in the seventies where they pumped your gas like they do in Oregon. I get out there and witness to the guy. That guy came to church and got saved. A young man. I never saw him again, but he did. He got saved. Whatever happened to him, it's up to him. Somebody talks to you at the counter as you're getting your groceries paid for. How's your day? How are you doing? Oh, I'm better than I deserve. Well, why is that? Oh, you deserve better than that. I <laughs> know I don't. Because you don't even know me. It's quite frankly, I should be in hell right now. Well, we'll get you done right here, right away here. Take care for opportunity. You know, I'm, I'm remiss at this too. I don't always carry tracks with me all the time. Cause I'm too busy. I gotta run to Home Depot or something like that. And get tracks out. Just get a track out. So I try to, try to do that when I think of it. I carry them. I just remember not to, I don't remember to bring them in with me sometimes. So we got to be an example of the faith. It's in our heart. In rejecting the one and only true God, they have to reject his followers. Being us which has led to persecution of his believers throughout the ages and into the future leading up to the second coming of Christ. It's going to be that way. Look at Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Second Thessalonians 2, 8. Second Thessalonians 2 8 reads, And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion, and they shall believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's the deal. They're rejecting. They, they, you think they're rejecting us, but they're really not rejecting us. They're really rejecting rejecting Jesus Christ. So if they reject you, don't be discouraged by that. Say, I'll pray for you. Don't be combative with them. You just say, I'll pray for you. And you can pray for somebody if you don't even know their name. Because God knows their name. You can go to God about that. What is amazing is that the world is oblivious to the fact that the events and catastrophes that we see today all have prophesied and orchestrated, or they're prophesied and orchestrated by God Himself. 
All that stuff we're seeing today is God's really behind it. Trying to reach people. It says in verse 11 of John, we are tech, going back to our text just briefly. I'll just read it. In verse 11, it says, He came unto his own, his own received him not. So coming to the Jewish world is a different story. Came unto his own, and his own received him not. Look to, at Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah chapter 9. The Jewish, the Jews knew something was coming. A Savior was coming. They were looking for a Savior and had been looking for a Savior because they were in captivity even at the time of Christ. And ever since, basically, after Solomon, they were in a kind of a captivity. Isaiah 9 says uh, in verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, full of wonder. Counselor, you can go to him. The Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. See, that child is born, and he's called the Everlasting Father in that too, because it's the Trinity. The Prince of Peace is Jesus Christ. So the Jewish nation was in a quandary, is in a quandary all by itself. I mean, they've gone to all these authors of different books through the ages, other than their Torah, and gotten instruction and counsel, which has not helped them at all. Has not helped them at all. They believe in the one and only true God, seeing his handiwork, acknowledging his authority, but reject his son, the Christ of the Bible, the Messiah. They reject him. They're still waiting for that Messiah. Not realizing that 2,000 plus years ago, they had him nailed to a cross. They ignore the prophecy and accept other writings not found in the Old Testament and cling to the dead religion, not unlike what was already found in the world. So they really got a dead religion right now. They reject God now because they reject his son. Turn uh, to Amos chapter 3. Amos chapter 3. There's a bunch of scripture here. I'll read few and then just listen along because I can I got them written down. Amos chapter three verses one through three. Hear this word that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Can two walk together except they be agreed? It was found in Amos. Also, Christ quoted it. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says, My people are destroyed by lack of knowledge because they have rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. That's Israeli. God is proclaiming that. In an Old Testament, it was there then at the time of Hosea. It's there now. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4 through 7 says, When all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel uh, unto Ramah, they said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. If you've been here, we've already talked or heard that. They just 
Don't follow what Samuel was trying to tell them. Teach them. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. They wanted to be like everybody else. It goes all the way back. And it's still the same. But this thing displeased Samuel and they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord and the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. And that's what it is today. The world does not want God to reign over them. They want to do what they want to do. They want to continue in their wickedness. Continue. Look at all the stuff that's going on. It's getting worse all the time. Wickedness. Deuteronomy 17.14 says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and say, I will set a king over me, like all the nations that are about me. So just as they were going in, they wanted a king. Who brought who brought Israel into the country? Who? Who was it? Moses. Wasn't Moses. It was Joshua. Moses got him there. But Joshua brought him. But he wasn't a king, was he? He was a leader. He was a servant. Then they wanted a king once they got in there. Just, well, let's go to Matthew. We'll read a little bit of this and then you can continue on. Matthew chapter 21. This is a story here. You can follow along as we go through it. Matthew 21, starting with verse 33. Here another parable, for there's a certain householder that planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower to let and let out, let it out to the husband in and went into a far country. So God, you know, is telling a story in his word, or Jesus is really, about this householder who had a lot of money, created a vineyard. And say, hey, I got other places to go. I want to start other ones other places. He's going to get his own thing going. His conglomerate of vineyards. And when the time for the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen and they might, that they might receive the fruits uh, of it. And the husband even took the servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. At last, all he sent unto them, uh, at last of all, he sent his son, saying, they will reverence my son. Getting a parallel here, you should, if you've read this before, you're getting a parallel. And when the husbands, husbandmen saw the son, they said unto themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. Let us seize all his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. And when the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what shall he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy the, uh, those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen and shall render him the fruits of their seasons. And Jesus said unto them, Did ye never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected is the same, is become the head of the corner. And this is the Lord's doing. And is it marvelous in your eyes? 
Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God is taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but whosoever sh- uh, it shall fall shall uh, grind him to powder. And then we're going to go down to 45 and 46. And when the chief priests and Pharisees heard these parables, they perceived that he spake of them. Yes, he did. And when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Looking at Israel going to attack Jesus Christ for the same reasons that that householder uh, planted a vineyard and then left it to people to take care of and they wanted it for themselves. Mark chapter uh, 8, verse 31 reads, And he began to teach him, and the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. So we see Israel rejected their king, their savior, their messiah. Did God not know that? He knew that. He knows all. He knows our future. He knew. So we see that. There's a threefold rejection noted in the Word of God. You reject the Father in the Old Testament all the way to John the Baptist, the Son through the Gospels, and actually going into, of course, uh, the first part of Acts. And then finally, the Holy Spirit that we'd find in Acts chapter 7. Israel's story is revealed in God's Word and shows how stiff-necked and faithless they were and still are. Israel never has learned by their own history. Just like a lot of times we don't learn by our own history. Instead of following the Word of God. It is to be marveled at God's long-suffering toward Israel that he would still honor his promise to his chosen people. And he's gonna. I don't care what all these other groups that are out there that think they're now replaced the Jewish nation. They have not. God is going to sort them just like he's going to sort Israel. There's going to be a great sorting. Eh, no, come in here. No, no, no. Oh, you made it, you know. It's as simple as that. Believe it or not, that's what God's going to do. Is it to be marveled at God's long-suffering toward Israel that he still would honor his promise to his chosen people? But if he didn't, he wouldn't be God because he cannot lie. Finally, verse 12 of John 1. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which were born not of blood, heritage, things like that, through the bloodline, nor the will of flesh. This is what I'm going to do because I know what I want to do. You know, they're going by their own head. Nor by the will of man, somebody else, uh, sprinkle something on you or, you know, we're going to lay hands on you and you're, you're okay. You've entered. No, there's got to be repentance. There's got to be other things involved. There's got to be confession made but of God. So it's threefold. Rejected in the Old Testament, in the Gospels, and in the New Testament. Turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6.
It is to be marveled at God's long-suffering toward Israel that he would still honor it, still honor it. Now, as far as it comes to Christians, we've got it figured out, right? We've got it all settled out. We, we have a handle on this because we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, right? Now, if you accept Jesus Christ on your Savior, for your Savior, the only handle you got on anything is you just yanked yourself out of hell. Or the bus going there. Okay? That's where all the learning starts. All of it. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, as we have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk Ye in him, rooted up, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. So look at, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. What is that spirit? What is that spirit? It's the Holy Spirit. Who is freely given by our confession and our acceptance of his son to take our place in hell. we might know the things that are freely given to us, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You get into this book, and that's what we're doing. That's why we got so many scriptures. Compare, 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 compare. That is our strength. We don't have to rely on us in this brain that is flesh. We have to rely on our faith comparing spiritual things with spiritual things and realizing that book is true. In verse 12 of reading, it says that we have power. He's given them power, become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. We have power. What is this power? Well, he gave his power to be a witness. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Follow along if you can. I'm going to go fast through these now. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Lord, uh, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1, is the former treatise which I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to, both to do and to teach until the day in which he had, uh, was taken up after he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had shown himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait, wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, and ye have heard of me. And he did that in, in the, at the supper. John truly baptized with water, but you be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they were there uh, together, they asked him, saying, Lord, what wilt thou at this time restore again uh, the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father hath put in his 
his own power. But he shall, uh, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the unto the uttermost part of the earth. So we have authority. We have power to be a witness. The second thing is, that comes to us, the hope of his calling and the riches of his glory. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, the hope of his calling and the riches of his glory. Ephesians 18 through 20 of chapter 1. And the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, and ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what riches of the, uh, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which we wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. That's the other, and the hope of his calling. The third thing is the strength of faith. Strength of faith and the and power of his love. So, make sure I got the right page here. Ephesians chapter 3, looking at uh, verse 14. Ephesians 3, 14, 21, through, 14 through 21. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit, in the inner man. Any time to be asked is any time to be supplied. Just ask God. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is that breadth, length, depth, and height, and know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all fullness of God, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout the ages, all ages, world without end. Amen. He says, ask or think. You know, we get in trouble just thinking about stuff. God knows our thoughts. We get in enough trouble thinking about the wrong things. Guilty. Also, the name of the Jesus Christ, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ shall be glorified in us. Second Thessalonians, uh, chapter one, verse 11 and 12. That'd be number four in the list here. That Christ would be glorified in us. In Second Thessalonians 1, 11 through 12, Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God will count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, in us. And ye in him, according to the grace of our, of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's something else. Now here's something that's not giving. This is number five on this list here. Something that's, this is a power that is not given to us. Turn to 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 9. If you followed seven, you should be around in that area. But if you were just trying to keep up with me, just Please turn here. Please turn here. Second Timothy 1, 8 through 9. He'll give us power to endure inflictions in our work for him. Verse 8, 2 Timothy. Be not there, therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, talking about Paul, but be partakers of the afflictions of the gospel of the power of God who hath saved us 
and called us. You know, we're just not supposed to be riders on this train. He's called us to service. He's called us. He has called us. With a holy calling, not according to our works, thank God, but according to his own purpose and grace and given us, therefore the world began. And that calling comes, if you go up to seven, it says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You're confused. You don't have a sound mind on some things. You want to get direction. Get into, into his word. Get into it. But he has not given us the spirit of fear. We are not to fear. Witnessing, we are not to fear to speak out against evil. You know, you do it with a heart of love and understanding this, the things. You don't go storm in the capital. I'm not one of those guys. I would have been in the crowd if I was near there. I would have been way in the back. I would have said, okay, I, you can show my face, but I'm not in agreement. But I'm not going to go against the people in there because that was a testimony that was not worth losing. Were they right in doing that? I don't believe so. I don't believe they were right in doing that. You know, that's as political I'm going to get as on that thing. And there was Christians are in there that did that, and that, and I'm, I feel bad because they were wrong. Because we're still supposed to obey. So power not given to us, the power to endure afflictions. We did the afflictions first, and then the power. So. Do we wield this power given to us? Don't we reject him also? Yes, we do. Does our life reflect God's control in our lives or our rebellion to his leadership? It's both. So what is the problem? The problem lies in a few things. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. If you commit your works to the Lord, God will straighten things out here. He'll guide you. If you've got a problem of fear of witnessing or standing for righteousness, Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. It doesn't say saved. It says safe. Because you're talking about basically you already have that faith ahead of you for your receiving God. But God keep his people safe from harm. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So don't worry about it. Fear of witness or standing for righteousness, you'll be safe. There's also the problem is you're acknowledging sin. I acknowledge sin too. And I said, okay, I got to turn from this. I'm looking at something. No, go that way. Look there. Go by. If you're driving, look at the white line. Don't look around. Something's going on. Don't look around. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. When I was a teenager, we went to this park down right at the north end of Canandaigua Lake, beautiful lake. I mean, even sailed a boat on that lake. We were teenagers. We were all gathered there. And we're going to cross a road. And this is before I was saved. 
one of our group, his girlfriend had a, a bikini on and everything like this, and they were walking over to the restaurant and trying to cross the road. All of a sudden, there was a bang! Because the guy was looking at the girl instead of watching the guy ahead of him crash in. I mean, it's, that's a simple illustration, but that's what goes a long ways. Keep your eyes on the Lord, or it'll be crash bang, I guess. So, by acknowledging sin, we gotta, we gotta ter- take care of some things. So, uh, Ezekiel says, Behold, all souls are mine. This is in 18.4. As the soul is of the Father, so also is the soul of the Son is mine. The Son that sinneth, it shall die. And in Ezekiel uh, 18.20, it says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. He repeats it. And the Son shall not bear the iniquity of the Father, neither shall the Father bear the iniquity of the Son. And the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Uh, that's the way my dad did. I got a friend that says, well, that's my dad has always done it and never had a problem. Uh, yeah, if your dad crossed the road with blinders on, you're going to do the same thing? Yeah, well, that's the way my father, but... Oh, never mind. Another thing, a double life. First John chapter 2, verse 15 and 17. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, the three things that gets everybody in trouble, is not in the Father, but is in the, of the world. The world passeth, passeth away but the, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Another thing that gets us in trouble is a wagging tongue. James chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. For the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that is defiled in the whole body and set of the fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, birds, serpents, and the things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. tame. My tongue was... Tangled up there. So, the tongue can no man tame. There's no bridle on my tongue. It should be. It has to be mentally driven. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 and 23, it says, The Samuel said, Hath the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as the obeying of the voice of the Lord, as in Obeying of the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken is uh, the, the fat of rams. So rebellion is is the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is the iniquity of and is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, thou hast also rejected uh, uh, he hath also rejected thee from being a king. And that was in Samuel. And there's also apathy. We're just, and I can understand the apathy. Things are getting worse. It doesn't seem to be getting better. Now's the time to realize it's not going to get better. It's not. It's only going to get worse. And I really think the Lord's just waiting at the gate for God to pull the rope and say, go. Get down there. Call him. He's just waiting. Just, he's anxious. If God could be anxious, you know. It's just an illustration. But it's getting worse. The slothful man roasteth not what he had took in hunting. This is in Proverbs twelve, twenty-seven. But the substance of the diligent man is pre- pre- precious in the way of righteousness and life and in the pathway. Therefore, there is no death. And Proverbs 20, uh, 13, 4 says, 
The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul that diligent shall be made fat. And when I saw this, and I, and I wrote an extra note to it because it just seemed to fit at that time. The soul the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. Well, look what's lining our streets of the cities right now. What are we seeing along the streets of our cities? It's people that don't want to do anything and want somebody to take care of them. They're pushing for a socialist-style government. They're pushing for it because they think they deserve it. So it's apathy and complacency. There's also a weariness in fighting. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There's a lack of prayer. Acts 12, 5 says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So that prayer worked for him. But, you know, they didn't believe it when he was standing at the door. They didn't believe it. Oh, you're, you're seeing a ghost. First Thessalonians five seventeen through 19. Pray without ceasing in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Spend time in God's Word. Study to show thyself approved. And finally, faithfulness, Luke 16, 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in must, in, in much. So they rejected all the time. Rejected all the time. The issue is we need a new master. We need a new master. Submit yourselves, therefore, unto the Lord, James 4, 7 through 8. Resist the devil, and he will uh, flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. In uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, What? Know ye not your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which ye have of God, ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. So just like the world, we reject the very one that dwells within us sometimes. How many places have we gone where we shouldn't have gone? Seen what we should have not seen. Said what we should have not said. Hurt what we should have not heard. Done what we should have not done. Have tasted what we should have not tasted. Every time we fall like this, we drag our blessed Savior right along with us. Whatever we do, good or evil, reflects on our Savior too. He believes in God. Look what he's doing. The problem is we think we are free. We are not free. We're bought with a price. We are not our own. We have a new master. We need to follow him. He's a righteous master. He's a good master. Jesus Christ purchased us with his own blood. We are not our own. So even as Christians, sometimes we can reject him and not receive him. At least receive his teachings, receive what he wants for us, like uh, us in his word, and realizing what he did for us on the cross. So we have to be careful. We have to live a life that shows him in control. And that's a hard thing sometimes. It's a hard thing. But we have to do it because God is willing that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. We need to be a witness. We need to be a help. 
Let's bow for a word of prayer. So we are here in this church today because we wanted to come. We wanted to hear the Word of God. I, I don't claim to be an expert at it. All I do is, okay, this is what God's shown me to say. And I hope it brings honor to Him. So as Christians, we need to follow Him. We need to be an example for Christ. But here's another thing. There may be somebody in this room that never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that don't know Him personally, that don't know what His Son did for them on the cross. No. There's a wide range of people that I know here, and I'm pretty sure they're probably saved, but there could be somebody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And realizing it's not a religion, it's a, it's a direct faith in Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. And I pray, Lord, that You would just work on hearts even now and show us what You'd have us to do and how You want us perform before you as a servant and be an obedient servant. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.